We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 226. A series win, finally. Feels like baseball. It was nice in New York City this weekend. It was warm. The sun was out. It finally felt like baseball season began this weekend. It did. Uh, you know, I think the weather has so much to do with that. It felt like, uh, who was talking about it? I think David Cohen was talking about this being the, uh, the actual opening day for the Yankees. They had Glaber Torres up. 
There was uh, the they were playing well. The weather was good. It just it, it did. It felt like things were starting to get moving. Yesterday was a great day. Yesterday being Saturday because there were so many so many things that happened in in one day with them winning the game. Torres getting the 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 nod to get called up. The Red Sox being freaking no hit. <laughs> it was crazy. like this is like the turning point of the se- of the early season. Yes, here we go. Let's start. Uh, I was actually let's just get right into it with, with the the Glaber stuff. I was pretty surprised to see that news after the game because the deadline passed or the deadline, the date they could call him up, and he he doesn't get uh, and they get the extra year of service time. But I was still in the back of my mind thinking they're going to give him more time. They're not going to do it soon. And then, boom, out of nowhere, they just it was announced. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that was my prediction. I had a feeling it was going to be sooner than later. Because at this point, when you have a vacancy at, at uh, second base, why not? The guy's on fire in AAA at this point. I yeah. think what the slight delay was was that they had to um, make sure that that little back thing was make sure that was nothing. Because he got pulled out the day, what, the day before the, that he was eligible. So, you know, I'm sure they wanted to make sure that that was fine and that was a really a non-issue before they actually brought him up. But And they called him up and the, he didn't get a hit today. He went 0 for 4, but he was facing Jaime Garcia. It's not like, I don't think, I, I think that was an ideal scenario to put him in against a lefty who doesn't throw that hard. Um, whereas, I mean, he would have faced Stroman yesterday. It turns out the Yankees actually hit Stroman pretty good on Saturday. But I think a lot of things aligned where it was a good day to get uh, Glaber in the lineup on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you could tell the kid was trying to pr- probably way too hard trying to get a yeah. hit. And, and Garcia, um, being the junk ball guy that he is, was probably the anti, the, the thing that he least wanted to see because he wanted to, you know, he wanted to hit a fastball. He wouldn't get anything, anything uh, remotely uh, good over the plate like that. So whatever, you kind of expect that, that type of deal uh, for him to come out and try, try to go a little too hard. But it's just good to see him up, man. I like the kid a lot. He's a good kid. Everything you, everything you read about him, everything you've, um, you you hear about him, nobody has said one bad thing about this guy. Really, like throughout his entire time in minor leagues, not even just with the Yankees, but all throughout. So you know everything points to this guy being the real deal. What do you think of him uh, getting number twenty five? I like it. First of all, who was it? Sugar Shane Robinson who had twenty five, or was it the uh, the other schlep that we've let go? I can't even think of his name Chase? right now. Yeah, Jace Peterson. It was one of the two that had 25, right? Oh, I was, no one had 25 after Teixeira. Yeah, no, Jace Peterson, they, someone wore it for like a second. They, it was, they had it on their back at one point. And I was like, this is, this is complete horse shit. Like, this cannot happen. This 25 number. Because 25 means more to me than, was it Jace Peterson? No, no, no. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. 25 so, yeah, 20, is one of those legit numbers. Absolutely. And, you know, it means things to me because of Jim Abbott. Like, Jim Abbott was... Just one of the guys that I looked up to as a kid. I remember, I'll, I'll never forget listening to his no-hitter um, on the radio on WABC with uh, John and actually Michael Kay make, doing the call um, back then on my clock radio when I was a kid. So like there was, and I wore 25 whenever I played sports because of Jim Abbott. So to see a, a number like that going to a guy like Labor Torres makes me very happy. Yeah, Shane Robinson. Shane Robinson. See, makes you dis- wonder though why... Well, yeah, why why would they give Shane Robinson number twenty five? It's like someone made a mistake. I don't know. He asked for it, and yeah, maybe they're like, okay. <laughs> I mean, you're, I have no problem with them giving up that number because Teixeira, like, that's a number you give up. Uh, Teixeira, Giambi. Yeah. You look back at uh, uh, Girardi Ward. They were talking about it today. Ruben Sierra, uh, Cecil Fielder. So, yeah. Um, but 
you know, the number is, is not there for, you know, it's, it's not being, it's, it's not 21. It's not any of these numbers that are, you know, maybe not retired yet totally, but are being kept on the, uh, on the sideline. Well, the Yankees, I think, take numbers to an unhealthy level sometimes. Oh, for sure. Because like the number 21 thing, we got into it last year when Todd Frazier came over. If you're not going to give 21 up, then just retire it. Just unofficially retired. Like, what is this? So yeah. I'm glad. Like, Teixeira was a great player. Giambi was a great player. Both very much fan favorites. But no chance of those num- that number getting retired. And Glaber Torres, who knows? He might be the last guy to ever wear 25 for the Yankees. Never know. Could be. I'm not trying to say he is. I'm trying to say he isn't. But <laughs> it's a good guy to be wearing the number. I like it. I like that, uh, that the, the number is going to potentially mean something because there's a lot of hype around this kid there's no yeah. doubt about it people had a the glaber mania has has absolutely taken the city by storm and taken you know yankees uh yankees fans by storm because there's people are excited because of the guy one i mean he's the the one of the top prospects in baseball all of baseball is he um and, and he was number three, he now, was number three prospect on most boards coming into the season yeah number one shortstop though right i mean he was the number one shortstop uh, behind the kid on the Braves for a minute, but that uh, that guy has completely fallen off the face. You're of the always planet. splitting hairs though when you're talking about like top five guys, and, and it yeah. cha- it's such a fluid situation where it changes depending on a number of different factors. If you're top ten prospects in baseball, you're so, you're in that elite category where there might not be much of a difference between number seven, number five, number two, number right. one. And it depends on the position. I mean, we've seen some falls for great falls from grace, like uh, Giolito when he was with the Nationals and went to the White Sox in that trader. But I remember I was like, "What are you doing making this trade?" He's he's been terrible since. Sometimes the teams know better than the scouts that only watch him a couple times. So hopefully that's not the Cubs and uh, Glaber Torres is the real deal. Uh, But yeah, all signs point to uh, to this guy being a, a very good player. Yeah, I was actually, I got the question on Twitter today, is Glaber the most hyped prospect the Yankees have had called up, like, since, I don't know, 10 years or something? And absolutely, because there was not this kind of buzz for Judge or Stan, or, or Judge mm. or Sanchez um, or several. There was a lot or, of buzz for Clint Frazier, though, when he came up. There was, but it, Glaber, buzz. this Glaber has been a long, it's been like a year of ramping yeah. up, ever since he went down with that injury last year. Everyone's just been eyeing, okay, when is he? Cause, because he was one of these prospects that everybody who, like you said, all the, like there's no scouts that, think he, that didn't think he was ready. Right. Everything you read was this kid is ready. He makes adjust, adjustments so quickly. He adjusts in at bats. He's got that next level of uh, intangibles that, we, that not many players have. So he is, he is ready. That's why I think... That's why I think that, that there was so much buzz. And with Judge, it was like a cautious optimism, right? Like, let's, we hope this guy doesn't suck. <laughs> it was kind, well, of, it was yeah, kind was, of it when he came up. We were excited. But at the same time, we were like, this could go ugly. It did well, in 2016. And, and it did. When he first came up, there, was, there were a lot of people saying, like, this guy, he's, you know, he's, it could be like a Steve Balboni thing. Like, this guy's not going to be uh, an actual player. He, he's already, he's going to strike out too much. Almost like a gimmick. Like, yeah, he's, he's a monster and he's going to hit long home runs. But is, is he going to just be a, a one for four kind of guy? And hopefully he makes contact and it goes 500 feet. But yeah, he's turned, a lot of, it, turned into uh, a, the complete player. A lot of people predicted uh, like Adam Dunn type numbers where you're striking out just a ton, hitting a good amount of home runs, but you're going to strike out a lot and you're going to hit around 200. Right. Obviously not the case. But um, yeah, the hype was different. With Clint Frazier, I think it was it was a different type of hype because he's kind of like the quote, you know, the bad boy of the minor he's leagues, polarizing. if you will. 
he is polarizing, and it wasn't really his time at the moment when he did come up. It was uh, it kind of came out of injury. Fowler. And um, yeah, from Fowler's injury. So it was it was a different type of, of situation. Um, but there was a lot of excitement about that, about him. And I, I think from the younger crowd, uh, but when you see Gleyber Torres, it's from everybody. Everybody is, is excited for this kid. I was watching the pregame today, and, and Curry was talking about how Gleyber Torres is going to be in the Rookie of the Year conversation, most likely, if he, if he plays like we think he can. And I was just thinking how dumb it is that he could win Rookie of the Year, and then it doesn't count as a full year of service time. Like, if, if you can qualify for Rookie of the Year, that should count as a season, a full season, shouldn't it? It's just baseball being freaking annoying and weird with their little little rules that you can uh, that you can skirt. But yeah, it's they need to clean up a lot of this stuff. Baseball has a lot of like fringe things that they need to clean up. Replay being one of them, as we saw oh. today. But like, there's just so many little little like trails off of uh, the main rules of, of baseball that that people take advantage of every year, or you know, are not working at all. And then they spend all this time on things that don't matter, like putting a runner on second base or, you know, speeding up the game. It's just like there's so many things that they, they focus their attention on that they shouldn't where they can really concentrate on other things that actually make the, the game better and improve what they're doing. I read an article about that runner on second base in the, in the extra innings, the minor leagues who have been testing it, and players have said that it, it feels like a completely different game. Yeah. Like, oh, like, yeah. Like they should have a beer in their situ- hands. They should have a beer in their hands. <laughs> exactly. It should be every other batter is a is a, a different gender because it's co-ed softball. It's stupid. Like, what are you doing here? This is one step down from the major leagues. This is still considered major professional baseball. Stop making yeah. us a gimmick. That I can't imagine it ever gets to the major leagues. No, it's I I I really 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 hope not. I, I can't imagine it. It would be. It would be utterly ridiculous, but um, I've seen glowing pucks, so who knows? You know what I mean? That's just on sports TV, weird, though. Professional sports a, does weird things. You want to put a glowing wait, wait, baseball whoa, that, on TV? You're telling me that puck wasn't glowing in, in person? <laughs> it didn't light up in the dark. Damn, no. I thought it was. <laughs> uh, let's break down Glaber's at-bats. First at-bat, he, he actually left a ton of runners on base today. He comes up second and third, one out. He was very aggressive, like you said, and Garcia knew it. He threw him two slider junk balls in the dirt. Uh, he swung at both of them, put himself in a hole. He ended up striking out. Second at-bat, he comes up first and second one out. It was a good at-bat, I thought. He he got into a hitter's count, 3-1 count, and he grounded into a double play. But he did not look uncomfortable. Third at-bat, runners on second and third. He pops out to first base, and then he did get a fourth at-bat in the, in the eighth inning after we didn't think he was going to because of that bullshit replay, and he flew out to right field. So... It was a bad day at the plate for him, but no one's, no one's obviously concerned. It's just he'll get his hits. He's going to get a lot of hits. just didn't happen today. Yeah, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the thing. I mean, he was, he was overly hyped, so whatever. It, it, it'll, be, it'll be okay. Um, you can tell it was funny because watching, them, watching the, uh, the broadcast, you could see Didi and Judge after his first at-bat were you know, going over to him and they said something funny. Um, you know, basically along the lines of, uh, you know, things are going to, it's not going to work out immediately because you're out of your mind trying to hit the ball out of your shoes, but it'll happen. But I have to imagine, because I I remember Alex Bregman took a long time for him to get a hit. I don't remember the number of at-bats, but it was a long time. I have to imagine it's got to be very nerve wracking for a player that doesn't get a hit. Obviously not four at-bats, four at-bats is nothing. But if you get to like 10 at-bats and you're 0 for 10, there has to be some serious doubt that creeps into your mind. Yeah, you have to. As a person 
your mind starts poisoning the things that you're doing, right? Because you start pressing harder. And it's a situation I think that Stanton has been in where, where he's like, damn, I'm really been bad at home. I've been, I've been terrible at home. These numbers are awful. And you start thinking of that and you start pressing. So I, I do hope that he can get something, even if it's a little bleeder, you know, anything to get on base um, or even if it's a walk. Like, I think even something like that can just loosen you up and, and get you going. I mean, after today, he should be a lot better because you get that first one out of the way. The attention yeah. is, you know, f- from like full blast, 100 miles per hour, probably down to about 75 so it's, it's more chill. Well, right, because they always, they always hear stories about players making their de- debut. They don't get any sleep the night before. They have 5,000 text messages coming in. They've got family in the crowd. It's a circus act for them. Yeah, yeah. And Matt Krantz is talking about in the Facebooks more pressure, especially because Toe is also hitting well. Toe's yeah. leading the freaking baseball in, in, in hitting right now with, uh, with qualified um, plate appearances. And but you could you saw them like embrace Toe was trying to like acclimate him into everything. You could see Glaber looking around and taking in uh, Yankee Stadium. So it was just cool because you could tell that it really meant a lot to the kid. Um, and coming from Venezuela, I remember the stories that that we heard about when when we were interviewing guys who um, uh, who were with him in some of the other minor league uh, places he was. Just that this guy came over not speaking any English in a, in a brand new country. Uh, the only thing that he knew really was baseball, but you know, he was so young and it's just, when you think about that and you think about just the, the new things uh, that he's seen, uh, it's pretty crazy. He, he did his uh, pregame interviews in English. Yeah. And no, he's he been doing speaks, a lot of stuff in English. Now. He speaks uh, broken English, but he, you can, you can understand him, but I respect the hell out of him for, for not having a translator next to him and just putting it out there. Like, yeah, I'm not going to speak perfect, perfect English, but this this I'm learning and he's going to get better. So yeah. every like you said, everything that's ever been written about him has been positive. Well, I, I think I told the story on here before, but the um, during the winter warm up, uh, what was that? Not this past winter, but the winter before that, when they were parading all the prospects around New York um, in the hopes that they would be good, hopes and that trying they would to like rejuvenate tickets because yeah. no one was buying tickets back then. They were, uh, you know, he was on the on the panel, and at some at one point, he's just like. I, you know, talking to his translator, you could tell that he was getting annoyed because he had to go through a translator. He's like, didn't want to do it. So he just said, forget it. And then just started, you know, speaking English. So did he get a little round of applause? Oh yeah. The place went nuts for him. It was (laughs) awesome. Cause you know, he's like another thing, like another thing you gotta, you gotta be wary of. I mean, I'm sure you're self-conscious in the way you talk. If I spoke Spanish, I would be super self-conscious in the way how I sounded. So it's just another thing for him to overcome. And and you're seeing, he's just taking it head on. Didn't Carlos Correa's dad make him speak English because he he knew no that he wanted to that was oh, the story Correa, yeah the, Correa okay. wanted to because he wanted to be able to talk to the reporters he said right. i want to when i get to the pros i want to talk to the reporters he, he said this when he was like 10 right well it's uh, it's going to be a hot ticket in the bronx this week and if you want to go see glaber torres play the best way to do it is with SeatGeek. buying tickets can be complicated and confusing but there's a better way that's with SeatGeek. it's the smartest easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, go with SeatGeek. Uh, I've used SeatGeek a number of times in the past. Um, have not used it to go to a Yankees game, but I am thinking I might need to do it this week to go see Glaber because he is the type of player that you just want to see in person. So I know I have the app on my phone. Uh, if you guys want to download the app, it saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices for amazing deals. You get the most bang for your buck. Seeky grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats um, that fit your budget. 
Listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code BRONX. Again, download the app, enter promo code BRONX for $20 off your first purchase. Um, Also, we have to mention the May 26th event, which is coming up very quickly. Uh, It's the game against the Angels. It's our second event of the year. Those tickets are on sale now. You get the pregame party at the Bronx Brewery, which includes one free pint, a t-shirt, a custom-designed t-shirt to the event, and then also a game ticket in Section 205 or 206. That's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, definitely. Again, we're we're over uh, 100 tickets now. We've cleared it pretty uh pretty nicely so we're gonna have a big group at this at this game it's gonna be a lot of fun if you have not gotten them definitely go out there and if you uh if you don't remember we're doing a promo for this for this game uh for the may 26th game if you bring or, and you're heading up the group of 10 or more uh i will buy your ticket if you buy, bring a group of five or more you get half off of your ticket so uh definitely use that incentive uh shoot me an email and i'll, I'll make sure it's all, all set up there's a bunch of people so far that have done it and I'm going to be going back and crediting their account and crediting their card for the purchase. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun. The Yankees took the baby bombers uh, thing to a new level on Sunday because all nine of their players in the starting lineup were under 30, which if you think back just to a couple years ago, all nine of their players were over 30. So it's a complete one. Such a crazy difference. And it was the youngest starting lineup average age, 26 years, 46 days old since 1970. So since before most people listening, you before you were born, before I was born, it's been a long time since they've trotted out a lineup that young. Yeah, and I think that when you see the entire lineup is under thirty, that's 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 saying something. I mean, that's you could have that, you could still have a young team and not have that, and right. you know, having like veteran guys. But it also just speaks to you know how young the the older guys are on the team. It's, it's, it's a crazy thing. I mean, obviously Brett Gardner wasn't in the lineup. Otherwise that would have been, that would have skewed it a little bit. Yeah. If the, uh, and and you wouldn't have had everybody under 30 at that point. So your, your starting left fielder is over 30. So it's not like the entire starting lineup is that, but But he's the only one. He's the only starter that's, that's over 30. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's healthy. Yes. So (laughs) the, uh, the, it's crazy to, to, to see that, but I also think it's a lot of, um, you know, you look around baseball and you're just seeing a lot more of this younger trend. I mean, you're just seeing younger guys on teams, younger average, uh, average age for these teams, because what, look, the steroid era is over. You're not playing baseball at a very high level after age 35 or not very many people are anymore. Whereas 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you had a whole bunch of people playing still at their peak, you know, from 35 to 40. And, uh, that's, that's just not natural, baby. That's that, that is not real. I mean, look at the old guys. They, they're not getting the contracts anymore. And um, Joey Bats, Jose Bautista, just got a minor league contract to play third base with the Braves. Two years ago, he was looking for over $100 million from the Blue Jays. Yeah. And now no, he's, just, crazy. he's, he's uh, relegated to just taking a minor league deal to not even play a position he's played since he was with Pittsburgh. And you're seeing a lot of that around the league. I mean, you go, go back and look at what free agency did. We saw who all the guys that signed late. Um, guys like Adam Lind, who the Yankees just picked up on a minor league deal, who he was in camp for, you know, uh, a few weeks, but like, that's a, that's a guy who led the majors in, I think, batting average for all of uh, pinch hitters last year and hit a, he was a very, very, uh, serviceable first baseman. Like the guy is a pretty good hitter and should absolutely have a job. And 10 years ago for sure would have a job. So you're seeing the landscape of baseball change for quite, quite, uh, quite drastically. The, the young guy in the lineup that's stealing the show is Andujar. He yep. went 4-for-4 four four on Sunday. He's an extra base hit machine. 
He has uh, he's ten for his last twenty, and now has ten extra base hits on the season. Very quietly after that zero for twelve start, he's just been raking. He looks comfortable at the plate. We know we knew he could hit, but damn, can that kid hit? He's fun to watch, and you're seeing why my uh, my thoughts of Adrian Beltre were ringing through my head because he's a uh, he, he's that type of player where he's super aggressive with the bat. Um, he just you know he's got that that stroke, and and he can. He can hit the ball really well, and I don't think third base is a problem for him. It's not looking like he's he can't handle the position. He's made a couple errors, but again, those were we haven't seen anything as of as of late. And it's I, not I gotta just believe, the errors, though. Well, it's, I know, but a lot of the things early on, like I feel like we have to wait before we see what he truly is at third base. Once his legs are under him, once he's you know a lot more comfortable, then I think we could see how he truly is uh, playing in the field. Yeah, I still don't think they love his defense, but you can't take his bat out of the lineup right now. No, absolutely not. And it's and it it makes it I don't want to say it creates a problem because it's a good problem, but you have Brendan Jury who hopefully is coming back soon. It seems like they figured out what why he was getting those migraines. Uh an irritated tendon running up his neck was causing these migraines, so the Yankees doctors have a plan in place to help treat that. So say Brendan Jury is, I don't know, 3 weeks away. Because he's still going to need to do rehab. He's been shut down pretty much. He's right. three weeks away, and Duhar, and you have Glaber on the ma- in the majors now. So you're going to get. You're, there's going to be a point where you have Bird coming back, you have Jury coming back. There's going to be odd men out in this infield if they're all still playing well. Who knows how Anduhar is hitting? Who knows how Glaber adjusts to the to the major leagues? But uh, I, you could see a scenario in a month from now where someone doesn't have a job. Well, I don't think Gleyber Torres is going to be that guy unless he just completely bombs because they're going to give him time. They're going to get at this point now that he's up. They're going to give him a leash to do what he needs to do and and to figure things out. I I I believe that. Um, and and Andrew, when you're seeing what he's doing now, it's impossible to take him out of that lineup. The one guy that is uh, to me completely dispensable at this point is Neil Walker. Yeah. I mean, Neil Walker is has done absolutely nothing, like literally nothing. This guy has not hit the ball. Um, and that's Sad. what he's supposed to be able to do. So he's on uh, he's on the team right now just because Greg Bird is injured. Yeah, hundred percent. And they will eat that that money and, and get rid of him. So I would not be surprised when Drury does start making rehab assignments. Um, you know that they they put him over at first base a couple times as well. Um, possibly um, Andrew Hard to see you know how he can play first base as well because I know he they had him doing that in Scranton for a few games. So I think they're going to try to be flexible so that they can keep both of them on there because Therese is going to be the utility guy. Obviously, we know Tyler Wade got sent down today, um, and you know he just can't hit in the major leagues. I think we've seen that now. It sucks. Um, I, I'm afraid that that's that we've seen Tyler Wade as a, as a pro player. Uh, he can field. He can't hit. Yeah, and it sucks because he didn't do himself any favors as far as being included in a trade because no team is – he's now a throw-in, and it's going to be hard to market him. For, for trades I, I don't think I don't think he's ruined that I mean I think he can he can definitely build that back up in AAA as well and and, and but he's already are, proved he can hit in AAA he had a full season last year hit 300 he but, was one of the the rail riders best players last year and I think I think teams will say okay I, I see that and I think he can perform in the major leagues if he's playing every day I think you're going to see some teams that are not very deep at shortstop or middle infield somewhere or I mean shoot he could play the outfield uh, in the center field spot and and would take a chance on him, but that's that's to me that's that's what I've always thought his best route to playing in the majors is like full time is to, on another team. Like he's gonna have to. There's just no spot for him. So what the hell did the Yankees do? Why did they play 
Glaber at, at third for eight straight days the last week? I don't know. <laughs> I have no good answer for that because he's been playing there consistently. You know, maybe there was that belief that because early on when Andujar was not hitting, maybe they're like, okay, this guy's not hitting. And if he doesn't hit, then why is he here? We don't think his glove is all the way there. If he's not hitting, then, you know, this is a, this is a spot that could be filled. So, right. uh, and, and, our, and our boy, uh, my boy, not your boy, my boy, Ronald Torres, has been playing so well. Um, but the thing about Ronald Torres is that you, you talk about this and, and his ceiling, and that's one of the reasons you're talking about this. We joke about that you don't like him. It's not true. You're just you're saying that he has a ceiling, uh, and he he hits a lot. He his gets a ceiling's lot of base about hits. five foot three inches high. Right, that's mean. The, uh, so he gets a lot of base hits, um, yes. and you're not you don't see a lot of power. But as a guy who can go and play every single position in the infield minus first base, um, he can run the bases. He puts together very good at bats. He's exactly what you want as a utility guy. He's exactly what you want as a guy who can fill in anywhere, um, and can, doesn't have to play every day to to stay in that you know locked in with the bat. So that's he's, his best he's attribute. Perfect position there. Yeah. His best attribute is you know what you're going to get if he played yesterday or he sat for seven straight days. You know what you're going to get out of Torres, right? And that's a skill that not everybody has. Clearly, not everybody can can do that. So that's a very value. He's he is a very valuable roster piece. Oh, no doubt about it. Absolutely. And, you know, he's insurance, too, for anybody if there's an injury for a longer-term period or if someone is gone for a month. Like, you know that Ronald Torres could go over there and step in, whether it's second, short, or third base. I mean, you have you have a guy that could play all three of those positions at, at a pretty good level. So, um, you know, I think he's absolutely carved out that spot. He did it last year, I think, and uh, that's, that's where Tyler Wade would have had to beat him, but didn't happen do you think maybe the Yankees for the last week were very unsure about what was going on with Brandon Drury he could have been out for the rest of yeah. the season for all they knew so they were trying to come up with a contingency okay Glaber could be our third baseman they were unsure there I think they're still unsure about Anduar's defense like we just said uh we have guys in, in the system that can play second base so that's maybe why they were doing it for the last week but I don't expect Glaber to get much time at third base in the major leagues no, not at this point. He's going to be the starting second baseman. That's yeah. that's what he is. There's no one else to take that spot right now. Neil Walker's not bound, knocking on that door. We just talked about Torres as being the, the more of the utility guy. He's more valuable in that role, especially if you have a guy like Labor Torres who can go in and play every day. You're still going to get at bats for Torres. He's going to get at bats, uh, Torres. Uh, so you yeah, know that's going to be this difficult. Is, we're gonna we're gonna screw that up, Torres Torres. Yeah, I know. That's why I keep calling him Glaber. Right. The. Um, but but there's you know there's a, there's absolutely a spot on the on the on the team even with uh, Glaber up here. So look, I like it. I like the way that the roster looks right now. This is kind of what we all thought was going to happen outside spring. You know, once spring broke, um, the Drury trade was took us by surprise. You know, Walker took us by surprise. Tyler Wade came out of nowhere. But I think a lot of people, when you know, if you ask people before spring training started, you're looking at Miguel Andujar at third base and you're looking at Glaber Torres at second. And that's what's happening right now. So people should be very happy about this. It also feels like they're finally getting into a rhythm. They they played in some nice weather over the weekend. And it was so ugly before that. The Yankees were leading the American League in errors with 18. They played like absolute shit against the Marlins. Uh, in that, Especially in that, that Tuesday game. It was so sloppy. Um, they took extra fielding practice on Friday. I which is that. Which is kind of like just, it's kind of like getting put in detention. 
<laughs> like yeah, you're getting was, you're getting grounded that wind right sprints, now. Wind sprints are next. So, you know, if yeah. you, like I love that. I love that. I love that you treat that. You know, almost like a college team in the sense, like, look, things aren't going. We're we're about to hit it for uh, for for um, you know infield. We're taking infield. We're going to get our reps in because sometimes getting your reps in, building back that muscle memory, just you know, you're driving that thing in in the middle of uh, uh, in the beginning of a season like this. It doesn't it doesn't hurt at all. And a lot of the errors, like the the, the error that Didi made in um, when Tanaka was on the mound, it's just like a lazy error. And and some things we saw from Sanchez in, in the last couple of games where he didn't have any pass balls through, I believe it was Tuesday, and then now he has four on the season. So he had four pass balls in three games. It just just a lot. The sloppy, lazy play was a reason I think for a lot of the errors, which is a prop that that is worse than. That that's the worst thing that you can see out of a team is just playing lazy. Yeah, and you know, people say it's preparation. People are there's so many people talking about that, you know, that Boone is not having these guys ready for that. Well, you know what? Look, there's so many different things that he's figuring out right now. This is one of them. And the fact that he went and did an infield uh infield outfield drills, like I love it. I was love he hitting it. I really fungos. Do. do you think he was hitting the fungos? I hope so. I really yeah. do. Whose idea was it to have extra fielding practice? Was it Boone's? Oh, Boone? Yeah, Cashman. Maybe it was Cashman. no Boone. Cashman's not talk, t- touching that. I, I think it's 100. percent It feels like a, a, a Boone's of Boone's personality that he would do something like that. Uh, wh- what did you think about Boone not getting thrown out today after the Austin Ro- uh, the uh, Tyler Austin non overturn? Because that was that was such an egregious error. Like I almost I almost thought MLB replay was was playing a joke, and they were like seeing what would happen if they did not overturn this. I mean, Smoke's foot was six inches clearly off the bag; it wasn't overturned, and Boone just throws his arms up. I get that it was a five to one game, and if it was maybe a tie game, then Boone goes out there. But don't you have to almost go out and get tossed just on principle? Well, I think replay makes it so different because you're not arguing with the guys in the field anymore. I know they didn't make the decision. Yeah, you're arguing with an a suit or whomever's the guy, the replay but, guy. But they're the mess. You in that in that situation, you can shoot the messenger because I guess. that's the only person you can shoot. I, you, the situation called for. I mean, it was so ridiculous that it it it's like you, you almost you're like are you serious? I don't know. I have no problem with him not getting thrown out at that one. It, it, it almost feels like you would force the the anger at that point because of the way the day was going. I don't know. The, just the the situation to me didn't call for it. I feel like I feel like his first toss needs to be defending one of his guys. I feel like that's what it needs to be. Whether it's a strike zone or if someone has a bad call, uh, you know, something like that. That to me feels like the right moment for him to get thrown out for the first time. He's got to get fired up for it. And that one. Like it was just blatantly obvious that it was bad. You so, almost have to laugh at it because like, yeah, what else? I mean, can like, you do? what are you getting fired up about? The guys, these guys on the field are probably like, yeah, I know. It was, what if it was a tie game? Then, then we're seeing a different thing, I think. And you go after the guy who made that call, <laughs> right? Yeah, that might have, that may have been the call. worst. That may have been the worst. Replay. There was another one early in the season or earlier in the season. Just, I know, but it wasn't this bad. It was pretty bad. It was. It was also very. No, obvious, it was on. Though. It was on opening day. I remember. I don't remember the exact situation, but that it was at a least, similar was, situation. There was, gray, the bags, there was gray area. There was gray area. There's no the, gray area in this one. The bottom line is, is when you have a replay like that, and we can see it on television with. Uh, a camera Not even on television. I saw it when it happened live. Like, but I'm I, saying you have the angles as a spectator watching from your couch, and yeah. you can see the angle that yes shows you, and the guys at, at MLB can't see that angle. Come on, like it's, the, it's no the, conclusive the evidence of it. They said no conclusive evidence to say that his foot wasn't actually on the bag. 
It was it was mind blowing, <laughs> mind blowing. I, I, yeah, I, again, I thought that we were being pranked. What do you make of Romine starting on Saturday and Sunday? Um, I don't know what to make of it. I, I think one is that the first the first day was just uh, you know get him in the game. He needs to he needs to to, to go in there and and catch a game. Um, Gary probably just you know Boone was giving him a, a day off behind the plate. Uh, so that's going to have to happen, right? You're going to have to get this guy some uh, some days off to keep his legs fresh. Um, but then you saw today with Severino was the interesting one uh, where, where Sanchez was DHing. So I, I think there's maybe an opportunity for to give him back-to-back days uh, because of the DH spot and the fact that they were going up against the lefty and you want to load that up. Um, so it was a, an obvious day off for Gardner as well. So I think situation played more into it than anything else. You don't think there was any um, discipline or... I don't think it was any discipline, no. Big or trying to snap Gary out of his defensive slump because he was he's been in a defensive slump for three games. You saw some you know, cross ups. CC blamed the cross up on himself. Uh, he, he actually said that if it wasn't for the mound visit rule, we would have had it straight. Would, would have had it straight. Yeah, which I think is ironic. But there was a couple others that I think Sanchez could have caught. But people are getting on, on Sanchez for his defense, but we also have to remember like how erratic some of these Yankees pitchers have been. Yeah. And a lot of situations, he's also catching four different pitchers in a single game because the starters aren't going deep. They're burning through a lot of these bullpen guys. There's been so many injuries that there's a new bullpen arm out there every day. Sessa comes up, he gets injured. Warren gets injured. Herman's in there. Then today... Um, Yesterday, Holder was back up. Yeah, Holder was back up. Looked and pretty now, good. Looked pretty good. <laughs> So, and then today, David Hale comes up. So it's like the, you're catching, everyone has slightly different sync on the ball, different arm angles. It's, it's always a little bit different. And when there's multiple a night, that's, that's difficult. I'm not making excuses for Sanchez. And maybe I am making excuses. It sounds like Sanchez. you're making excuses for him. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've, I'm one, of the, one of the guys probably that was riding him the hardest. I was getting as frustrated as can be watching him play behind the plate. And I, I'm definitely not there yet. I mean, I saw a couple of you know not turning the glove the right way going to his uh, his right side where he that's infuriating suffer he should slide over I mean the pitch was terrible don't get me wrong it was I think it was a sunny gray during the sunny gray start where the pitch was awful it was Herman um, actually though he was okay. setting up inside and Herman throws like a ninety six mile or fastball low and away at his foot it's like when you're you don't expect a fastball to be off by four feet right the the problem I have are the cross ups with communication. Um, and I think a lot of that was happening. We saw it with CC. I have a feeling something like him and, and Sonny Gray obviously don't have a rapport. Like yeah. they may have worked together in the spring. Boone says that helped. And great. It's didn't help. They don't have a rapport. I don't know who it's on. Sonny Gray is just looking terrible. I know we're going to talk about that, but yeah. there's, there's, there's things here looking at Sanchez that you can see marked improvements for the way that he's playing defense. I think I thought um, he got a, had a great start. He wasn't hitting yeah. in the start of the season, but I thought his defense was actually really, really good to start. Yeah. So I got to see more from him, you know, more of him to, and, and these past balls. I and mean, if they continue to be a thing after this weekend, then, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll start paying more attention to it. But at this point, you know, you're talking about the rapport between him and Sonny Gray. So the start that Sonny had on Friday was uh, like one of his worst starts. I feel like every time out, it, he looks worse and worse. But um, Cone even mentioned on the broadcast that Sonny Gray was trying to simplify things and he was not shaking off Gary Sanchez. So he was just whatever Sanchez puts down, I'm going to just throw the best pitch in the best location, whatever he puts down. That didn't right. work for him. Yeah. 
focusing on execution was, I think, what they were talking about. And, you know, we've been talking about Sonny Gray attacking the strike zone and being more aggressive with the the batter and the strike zone and not nibbling around the corners and trying to be too perfect, but actually going at it, trusting your stuff and trusting the what the catcher is putting down. And yeah, I mean, that first inning, I saw the first thing. I'm like, yes. It was like nine pitches. It was amazing. (laughs) It looks, it was, it was great. Even he got through two and I'm like, okay, something good is happening right now. And then all of a sudden it just completely fell apart. Every time the Yankees got a lead and put him in a position where he could um, attack attack, and and he just didn't. And he sort of walking guys falling behind in the counts. It was infuriating. Don't you feel that when one thing goes wrong with Sonny Gray, he can't, he can't just move past it and fix it. It, it compounds and it snowballs and then five that's things That's what it are feels wrong. like now. Yeah. It absolutely feels like that because you're, I mean, that's what's happening. It's, it's, that's exactly what's happening. When you start seeing things go off the rails, it goes way off the rails. It's yeah. not something where he can correct it and come back. And, you know, look, I have been, I have been uh, someone who's talked about guy, pitchers with the Yankees uh, where I, I feel like I get a guy every year. It's, it's Avaldi or, you know, Pineda used to drive me insane because you see the, the ability that they have. Avaldi was the same thing. You know, Sonny Gray is the same type of guy, where, but, but way higher of a level because we've seen Sonny Gray in Oakland be very good. So you know it's there and you've seen him string this together. That's why it's so much more infuriating for him at this point because he has the ability to put good, uh, you know, good at bats together against these guys, and he's just not doing it. You know, I don't know if he's still gun shy from that injury. It sounds like he kind of is with the mechanical issues, but you know, he does not look like the same guy at all. He said he wanted to tweak his mechanics and mainly move his hand positioning, get into pitching position sooner. So basically, if you're watching his windup, his glove is he wants to have it facing the catcher and the location sooner. So if you look at a side-by-side angle, his hands are a little bit higher, a little bit further away from him. It didn't – I don't want to say it didn't work because it's, it, I know it is only one start with these new mechanics. But it didn't work on Friday night, and he looked just as bad as he did in the previous start. And his numbers this year are so friggin' awful. He's averaging six walks per nine innings. Uh, that's, that's the unacceptable number. That, that's the telling story, I think, of, of what he's doing because he's not throwing strikes. And, and the reason why he's getting hit around, too, because you know his stuff when he's on is some of the best. And he's getting hit because he's not throwing strikes. So people, he's, more, he's becoming predictable when he is around the strike zone. And it's just not working. Um, one of the things about mechanical change, real quick, is... A lot of times, and I'd be curious to see uh, something I have to look back on. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about this uh, after his next start to see if we see anything. But, you know, when you're making a mechanical change like that, a slight change, something you, you can uh, you see guys come out of the gate making those changes. Everything's going the way that they've been practicing, but then almost fall into their old rhythm or their old mistakes. And as the game goes on, um, as they tire or as they get frustrated, they start, you know, going back to things that they did before. So I'm, I'm curious to see what the mechanics were looking like from the first inning, second inning, and then on into the third inning because he really didn't get any past that. Um, and, and to see if he can build upon that. You know, maybe there's something we're, we're seeing where he went back to, um, you know, the, the old hand placement of the second. But whatever, you know what I mean? Like, things like that are, are, are things that he has to work on completely. If it does make a good change, great. But he's got to figure it out. He really does. I know how you feel about personal catchers. I think we feel the same way where we hate them. And I think it's, it's an easy thing to just blame Gary Sanchez for Sonny Gray's struggles. And if you do look at the numbers, he's been much better with Austin Romine. But it's also been in 
much fewer starts. The innings yeah. are less, the starts are less, everything is less. And the walk ratio really isn't very different. So you can almost say maybe he's just had some good luck with Romine behind the plate. Right. Whatever the reason is, though, people, the average fan will look and say, Sonny Gray has a 2.5 ERA with Austin Romine, and he has a 5.5 ERA with Gary Sanchez. He must need a personal catcher. The innings are less than half, I think. Yes. It's, it's, it's it not. It's like 21 innings, I think, with Austin Romine. It's th- it's, it was like three starts. Or actually, I think it was three with, starts. With add another last start year. because of Gary Sanchez, too, this year. The numbers were double the last time we looked at it, so uh, they're, they're even more than that. You know, I have no problem with the next start trying out something I, new. I think they will. And they, I, I think they should at this point. Probably would as well. But yeah, I, he's I, broken. I cannot sit here. If I sat here and said that the reason Sonny Gray sucks right now is because Gary Sanchez, that would be asinine. That would be disingenuous. Sonny Gray sucks right now because he's lost. Right. 100%. It's, it's all Sonny Gray. It's not the catcher. But try to mixing things up and getting him back. The bottom line is they need to get him back to, to, a, to a guy that, that they traded for, that guy. They need to get that guy back. So if you can start that process um, by changing up a catcher and having some mild success or maybe improvements, then fine. Then you build upon that. But you, know, you have to make sure it's a fine line seeing a marked improvement and then staying with that, saying that that's a reason. So, you know, there there needs to be, a, I think, a sentiment build with the 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 room when they're talking to these catchers and Sonny Gray when everybody is having their meetings, saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna throw you with Romine next time, but this is not gonna stay th- a thing. Has to, you they have, have to, to fix what him. it is. They have to yeah. set that precedent and say Romine's catching today, but the next start. It could be Gary Sanchez, it could be right. Romine, depending on the situation. Because if you lock yourself into a personal catcher, well, what happens if it's a day game after a night game and then and then Gary's or then Romine is is having to catch two days and he's getting tired because he just caught a long night before? What happens if you are going up against a really good left-handed pitcher and you want more right-handed bats in the lineup? What happens when you get to the playoffs? There's so many things that having a personal catcher gets you in trouble with. And I appreciate Boone saying it's something we want to avoid. And I, I, I think that's one of the best things I the, – one of the things like I agree with him most him so on. Far. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I agree with him most on so far is saying we, no personal catchers. And when you listen to Cohn, if you're listening to the broadcast, David Cohn is, has no problem with it. He has no problem with the, the personal catcher. And, and granted, he's a pitcher, you know, so he, he likes throwing to his guys. I'm sure he's got his own opinions on this as well. Um, you know, funny thing, I was, when we were listening to the broadcast, they were talking about – uh, the fact that Aaron Boone has a guy to go back to to talk about this situation. His father was a catcher, um, and he actually got pulled for in a personal catcher situation, being the odd guy out uh, during his career. So it's there's an interesting uh, dynamic with there. But um, yeah, you know, if you're gonna do it for a little while now, and just if if it works this time, and then it works out where you could do it again, just to get Sonny Gray right, that that's the most important thing. They got to get him right. So yeah. you know, if we're talking about uh, Romine Cup, uh, catching a couple starts in a row, like now I have no problem with that. But you got to get right, and once you start seeing sustained success or a game or two, then you got to go back to Sanchez, and you should you should have no issues. Yeah, you got to make sure that your communications are completely good to go before that game, and you guys are prepped because that's kind of what it feels like too. And I don't know if there's a confidence lost or if there's a frustration between the two. But something's going on with those two, and it doesn't seem like they're, they have a good working relationship. Uh, bench coach Josh Bard is also a catcher. That's something that Boone could go to him on Yeah, to talk I to mean, him about. But, uh, yeah, you're absolutely – Gary Sanchez and Sonny Gray need to figure it out because that the, – the Yankees' best chance to win is when Gary Sanchez is, is catching and having his bat in the lineup. 
when you have to DH Gary Sanchez, that takes Gardner out of the lineup, or it takes Hicks out of the lineup. It's it, it or it takes Judge or Stanton out of the lineup. That's not something I want to do. And you know what? If we're if they are seeing if they're seeing better success with Romine, and there's something there that Romine's doing better. Get in a freaking room and let's all talk about this and see why that's happening. Let's, let's I think most of analyze the situation. And I'm I'm sure a lot. Well, I think a lot of it's mechanical too, and it gets to mental. I think a lot no, of no, it no. is no. What do you mean? I mean with Sonny Gray when the but I mental think part catch, of it. the catcher who you're throwing to, I think is more of a mental thing because it's not about calling pitches. Because like I think I said this on a recent podcast, they have pitchers and catchers meetings. All of the catchers and all of the pitchers are in those meetings. Gary Sanchez is in those meetings with Austin Romine. They're going over scouting reports. They know, okay, this guy is susceptible to inside fastballs, so I'm going to call inside fastballs here. They're calling the same pitches. It's well, just, I don't know if they're calling the same pitches because in-game, in situations, like we had this discussion last time. Okay, it's but the same, you can the same fix talk. that. If they're not calling different pitches, I mean, if they're not calling the same pitches, you, that is very fixable. Well, for sure, but you're going to have, when you have two different catchers, you're going to have different styles. You're going to have guys setting up in different ways. You're going to have uh, a different way that they communicate. They're two different people. I you just can't just blame. say a pitcher, that's like saying a pitcher is going to throw the same way to another catcher. It's Catchers are have their own little thing in the okay, way that they do things. I blame it's the pitcher. Different. I put most uh, of the blame I'm not on the saying pitcher. it's not the catcher. I'm not saying I know it's, what the, you're it's saying. not the pitcher's fault. I know what but you're saying, but is, is I get pissed a, off. There, there is a relationship between the two. You have to have that rapport between the battery so that you guys are in sync. Like okay. there, there is a there is a, an importance of knowing and having confidence that that guy's throwing something and you're thinking the same thing. Okay, that's well, important. Send, send them on a weekend retreat or something. Yeah. They get the, get them in the same room for like 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 you used to do fraternity bonding or something. You got to stay up all night and just like drink a keg of beer. Just. Figure out, man-to-man, what is going on here. Figure yes. your shit out, guys. That's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what needs to happen. And if Austin Romine needs to be in that little bonding situation... No, it's just Sanchez. No, just Gary, Gary and Gray. That's it. Those two guys. Send them out to dinner. Tab on Aaron Boone. Get drunk. Do something. Because... They need to figure they're perfect. Sonny Gray finished third in Cy Young in 2015. He is a very, very talented pitcher. Yes. Gary Sanchez is one of the best young catchers in baseball. Figure your shit out. I have yes. confidence these guys can do it. Yes, as professionals, please do that. <laughs> I put up a Twitter poll on Friday night. Should Sonny Gray have a personal catcher? 49% of the people said yes. 19% said no. 32% said does not matter. Well, the bottom line, yeah, because people think Sonny Gray is just complete trash at this point. And, I mean, fair enough. I mean, I understand why you think that. The, uh, <laughs> the fact is, is that he's got a body of work that we've seen that tells you otherwise. And that's, exactly. that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at. I'm like, you compared them to Evaldi, like Evaldi and Pineda, where those guys, it's like, you saw the stuff, you saw the talent, yeah. but the, the, the resume the body of work was not there. there. And, and you know, maybe, it's... maybe this is going back to that injury. Maybe this is something that is, is absolutely, if we go back and we see Sonny Gray pre-injury, Sonny Gray after injury, okay, but you're not saying he's injured Gray. now. No, but I'm saying that he could have changed things the way that he, um, maybe he, you know, didn't come back the same after that injury. You know, that's, that's, that is something that it, when you have, when you look at a body of work and then you have a major arm injury like that, you know, that, that could absolutely be a factor. Look at Matt Harvey. <laughs> Matt Harvey's a disaster. <laughs> he's and, in the and, and he's never, ever since he came back from Tommy John or went to Tommy John, he's been a train wreck. Well, he just didn't come back the same guy. Do you worry about Sonny Gray just not being able to handle the struggles? Because he, like, if he struggled in Oakland, one reporter was at his locker and 9,000 people were in the stands. No one give, gave a crap. This is different in New York. Do you think he can't handle the New York stuff? 
I mean, he's he's certainly not comfortable talking to reporters at this point when he's no, got he's when bad. he's getting when he's getting you know hit with all these these questions. He looks lost, and he just he looks like he's almost um com, you know combative with his answers or dismissive. No, dismissive it looks like his brain is going fifty miles an hour, but his mouth is only talking at ten miles an hour, and well, he's and like it, thinking. And also, through like things, he doesn't want to be there. Like I don't want to be here and answer these questions. I want to go. So don't answer him. I want to go home to Nashville and and be home in Tennessee, and I just don't want to be here right now. You know, he just looks like that kind of kid. I don't know. I I hope he's not a mentally weak person. I, so far, that's what he looks like. But well, did you, you know, jinx him? If, if he's there physically, did I jinx him? Maybe I did. I don't, usually don't jinx people. Though. That's your that's your job. I usually don't jinx them, even yeah, when I do predictions. I'm not jinxing. Um, Twenty wins is a bold prediction, and it's not looking too good right now. What are you gonna do? Uh, stat that came I saw on uh, uh, after a start. Yankees back to back starts with it at least five. Earned runs and two wild pitches. The last two guys to do it, Sonny Gray and A.J. Burnett. A.J. Burnett, another guy who needed a personal catcher. Another mentally weak guy. He was a lunatic. <laughs> I mean, that, he was an absolute uh, basket case. So, yeah, we knew that, though. That was, a, that was 100% confirmed. Yeah, and I think it's Sonny Gray, if he does not meet expectations and does not get back to being a really good starting pitcher, I don't think the Yankees can achieve what they want to in 2018. If the Yankees want to win a World Series, they need Severino, Tanaka, and Sonny Gray all pitching to their abilities. I 100% agree. I mean, they, they, they made this trade for a reason, and Sonny Gray is a big part in what's going to be in their success. you got to have the starting pitching, um, you know, especially if Tanaka doesn't figure his stuff out too. Uh, you're, you're, down, you're down two guys that were supposed to be very big contributors. Um, and if Sonny Gray – look, we, we've seen Tanaka fix it. So I have confidence that Sonny Gray will fix it. I still have a lot of confidence that he will fix it. He's in a bad stretch right now. It looks like the sky is falling, uh, but I am far from that point. Once again, the leader of the rotation, though, is Severino, and he had his 19th start today of zero or one earned runs since the start of 2017 that leads Major League Baseball. And it's just every time he goes out, you see him throw 97-mile-an-hour darts in the seventh inning, even at 112 pitches. And I love that Boone let him go deep. Finally, maybe it's because the weather was nice. Maybe it's because this is what I believe it was his uh, fifth start of the season, so he's stretched out at this point. But, I, but finally, you didn't just pull a guy because it said 100 pitches on the, on the scoreboard. So is it that against everything that everybody said Boone was going to be doing? I'm pretty sure this is what everybody said, that Boone has no decision, decision-making power, has nothing. He's, uh, he's going by a, he's all a the analytics robot. and the numbers. Yeah, Cashman's putting, you know, giving him smoke signals on what to do. All that is horseshit. He saw a guy, he talked to a guy, he looked at a guy and said, okay, you're still going strong. You're at 97 pitches. I think he came in the seventh inning, started the seventh inning at 97 pitches and uh, was able to finish it. 112, looked strong. Coming off the mound, laughing, feeling good. I love that. He felt out the player. He felt out the situation. Saw that he was still going well and kept him in the game. And this has been one of the issues with the bullpen, right? This has yep. been one of the issues where he has left a guy in maybe a little too long because he's. we've seen so far the, the MO on Boone is he lets his guys go uh, maybe a little too long, but he lets them go. And I well, think a lot what, of this is still going down to the, him just feeling these guys out. After what... what uh, Sonny Gray put them in a situation where they had to use a ton of their bullpen on Friday night. At least you got six innings out of Montgomery and seven innings out of Severino to spare the pen a little bit because they're in a stretch where they have no off days coming up. And they've got four with Minnesota coming in. Minnesota's not been playing great. They just got swept by Tampa. But then you're going to, to the Angels in Houston. Like, 
if your starters are only going four or five innings against those teams, you're absolutely screwed. Yeah, and you know the bullpen was kind of saved by Montgomery, like you said, and the, really nobody big came into that game. Um, and then with Severino doing you know doing his thing, so it's it's a good, it's very good that he's going deep, and uh, I love the fact that Boone gave him the opportunity to do that. And you know we're seeing right now Severino just turning into an absolute horse. Like this yeah. is a guy. And I, you know, people might get on the fact that I'm saying a horse in seven innings, but you know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, big that's for a modern today. day horse. Yeah. Um, but you know, going that extra inning, I think is a lot of thing, a lot of uh, a decision that a lot of managers would not have made. They would have pulled him at that point. Girardi a hundred percent would have pulled him. You think so? Yes. <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, well, last year, Girardi did, we didn't have as many injuries. Yankees have put 11 guys on the DL so far this season. There's a there's been a lot of injuries this year. A it's lot. Eleven. A lot. We're, it's April twenty second and they've had eleven guys go on the DL. We're not even phased by injuries. Like when Adam Warren went, uh, Oh yeah, of course. Like, oh, oh, of I, course. I, I, oh, I thought you I already thought he was on the DL. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it, this sucks because um right back soreness he went down or right back strain, but they said he's gonna be shut down for ten full days, which means it's a much longer than just a ten day DL stint because he's gonna be shut down, then he's gotta ramp back up. Yeah, and it's it's a guy that you know. I mean, you can you can kind of fill that spot. Adam Warren isn't the uh, he's a dependable guy that you have out there. You know, Jonathan well, Holder came in on Saturday guys. and pitched pretty well. I got to tell you, who did Holder? Your boy? Oh, Holder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, nine to one. And I'm just saying. Look, we need to see good things from that kid because if he can come in and 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 do you know those types of positions, he's a he's a he's got good numbers in the minor leagues. He was a very good pitcher for. Um, in the minor league system. So if he could put it together, he would be an, an asset, you know, and I think a lot of him, we saw what happened when he went back to Scranton after he got sent down, he gave up a grand slam. Like, you know, he mentally was like totally screwed. So hopefully he's figuring that stuff out and let the ability actually handle uh, and take control at this point. He's got such a good name for a bullpen guy, Holder. It's perfect. Yeah. Well, he's better than what we've seen. He, I, yes. I don't think he's the guy that that we've seen. I think we were going to see much better things from him. He's got really great strikeout numbers in the minors. Yes, I know. So. And that's when you see that a guy around the plate um, that often y- you like to see better numbers in the, in the majors, but, <clears throat> but this bullpen we'll we thought was going to be a strength of the team. And Betances has been up and down. Canley's now on the DL. Adam Warren's now on the DL. Uh, Robertson has, has had some hiccups. He's looked okay for the most part. Chapman's actually looked pretty good. I think, um, but what was a strength coming into the season, I don't know if it's a strength right now. And a lot of it does have to do with the starters not going deep. They put a, they put a ton of weight, up, a lot of uh, strain on that bullpen early in the season. But I, I can't call it a strength at this point. I mean, I, I still think it's a strength. When you look around and you see you still got uh, you still have your options of Chad Green, Dylan Batantis, uh, who's pitching decently well now, uh, and then Chapman along with Robertson. These those are four guys that are healthy right now that are. Uh, have closer potential that have been a closer, a successful closer. Um, and the only outlier there is Chad Green, who has arguably the best stuff in the major or in the bullpen. And if you ask the guys in the bullpen, does have the best stuff um, and was lights out last year. So you still have four freaking rock solid guys. I'm not calling Dell and Batances rock solid at this point. Three no. rock solid guys. Did you read um, the article about Batances' spin rate on his fastball and how it's down this year to league average? I did not see that. It was always above average. Even when he couldn't locate it, he had better than average spin rate. So he, if, if it wasn't in the right spot, he could still get weak contact or a fly ball just because it, it was a really 
good fastball. But now that's it's for more, this year or, or also for this into year. last year. Okay. No, this year, just this year, it's been league average. Whereas even last year when he was struggling, his fastball was still above average as far as spin rate goes. Yeah. Wait, wait till the weather warms up and that fa- that curveball will be way better. Because no, 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 I not mean, curveball, fastball. Or fa- the spin rates. The, the spin rates is what I'm talking about. Spin rates will go up with humidity. You'll be able to get a better grip on the ball. Like that, I'm not worried about that. That's right. that's probably one of those things that you can absolutely attribute to some of the weather. Maybe. I but, got, I, but he's the bottom line is is his. It's between the ears with him. That's what well, we know. You, well, do you feel? I mean, did did Joe Girardi, uh, Scott Proctor, Dylan Batances? I don't think so. I think in certain seasons he did. I don't think like a long term uh, situation where he's he's ruined. Uh, a la Scott, even Scott Proctor just kept going. But um, no, I, I think he's fine. I think physically he's okay. Yeah, uh, we need to work on the between the ears thing. Though. Hopefully he did that. Didi hit another home run today, a solo shot in the first inning, got the party started. It was his sixth of the year, and he only has seven strikeouts on the season. So his season is just still, he's having a great season. All of Didi's home runs, though, this season have come at Yankee Stadium. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem with that. Well, we I talked mean, about how so- last year he did have split. So he was 12 at home, 13 on the road. But this year it's been all six at home. And I know they've played a lot more games at home than they have on the road, yeah. especially because they got rained out twice in Detroit. Right. But he, it's fine if his mo, if, if if he's only a power hitter because he plays at Yankee Stadium, that's fine. Well, I mean, some of these home runs you're seeing are, are would be home runs in other places. Some of them are not, but some of them are. I don't really look into that as much. You got to see what happens now. He's on a hot streak too, um, and because a lot of the games have been at home, you know, you're seeing the higher total now. It's like it's impossible to make that differentiation at this point. But um, once they go on the road, uh, I'll be curious to see how he's how he's doing if he's if he's not. You know, still, if he's still taking as many pitches as he is, being as patient as he is, I think that's one of the big reasons we're seeing the uptick as well is because he's waiting for better pitches. He's not, you know, going out there and swinging at things that are not um, in his zone. I mean, he's a better hitter right now than he ever has been. And he's been a, last year he made marked improvements to, he he was an above average hitter as well last year. And we're seeing a guy now that is just taking another step forward. So he continues to be on the on base percentage leaderboard. So. We're almost, how, you gonna, how, could, how could anybody slight a guy or talk, uh, you know, diminish a guy's ability or numbers for doing the things that make him successful at the, at the park, at their home park? It doesn't make sense to me. He's playing there. That's his home park. Right. So he's tailored that swing so that it's it can like go down the line. Only, it's not like he can only hit home runs at Camden Yards and like, well, he only plays there a few times right. a year. It's like, yeah, yeah, he does play 81 games at Yankee Stadium. So that's an okay thing. And, and a lot of these balls are going to go out of their places. So this guy has, has changed his swing to a point where he's making better contact, uh, better pull contact, and a lot more of the balls are hard line drives and ones that were you know, either ground balls or um, you know, doubles are going out of the park at this point because of the launch angles that we saw that. He's changed it to a point to, to make him successful in his home park. Good for you. More guys should do that and then be successful at it. <laughs> do you know who else hit a lot of home runs at Yankee Stadium? Because it was a short porch, Babe Ruth. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. A lot of home runs there because of the short porch. Um, very important stretch of games that the Yankees are currently in. Four versus Minnesota at home, then they traveled to the Angels, and then four at Houston. Uh, it's Tanaka's turn to pitch on Monday. I don't think the Yankees officially have announced that Tanaka is pitching, but it looks like Tanaka will be going up against Jake Odorizzi. And then on Tuesday, it'll be CC versus Jose Barrios. Uh, Sonny Gray versus Lance Lynn on Wednesday, and then Montgomery versus Kyle Gibson on Thursday. It's a getaway day afternoon ball game. 
Uh, as I said, Minnesota just got swept by Tampa. So continue to step on a struggling team's neck. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, we started seeing this team really hit their stride when when the um, winning series was a, a normal thing. You don't have to have the the you know long streaks of of wins in a row, but if you continuously go out there and and beat the other team uh, and win the series, that's when you start seeing marked gains in the in the standings and you start seeing the wins start piling up. And that's that's the name of the game. You win the series, you will be successful. And we saw that this this was a big. I think Saturday for the Blue Jays game was such a pivotal game, and it was such an important day for Montgomery to come out there and pitch well because. Um, one, you know, you have Severino going on Sunday. So that's, that's something that's a, a big strength. If you can win that Saturday game, you feel really good about going into Sunday and taking three or four. And that just helps the confidence grow. So I think little battles like that, when you're, when you're talking about that, and you know, if Montgomery um, knows that he's such a pivotal point in this series uh, to get the ball, the Severino for the win, you know, I, I, I like their success rates when they start thinking about them as little battles like that. So, as I said, Barrios is pitching on Tuesday. Sonny Gray is going to be in the dugout because he's pitching on Wednesday. I want Sonny Gray to study Jose Barrios because look at this. His ratio, 29 strikeouts this season, one walk. <laughs> the anti learn how, learn, learn how to throw strikes. <laughs> yes. Attack. Just attack. Yeah. Good. Only when you walk hitters, only bad things can happen. Yeah. I... It's not. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the way what he was saying after the game, and it's just infuriating me when I was watching what he was saying and just thinking about like, oh, well, I just got away from him. you know when you start walking, guys, things things start going bad. Well, no shit. You need no to shit. stop listening to Sunny Gray po- uh, press conference. I can't. I need to see everything. I need to see the whole story. I need to see what his deal is. Uh, this guy is is a, is baffling me at this point. It really is. All right. Before we get to mailbags, we have a winner for our t-shirt uh, rating and review. The, so the winner, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's very long, um, but the winner is from JD Carlo. So if you uh, are on Twitter, hit us up on Twitter in the DMs and we'll get you your free shirt um, or Facebook, but preferably Twitter because I don't see Facebook all that often. Uh, but he says one of, the, one of the big things he says is uh, Cohn was talking about warm-up pitches and the counts being tracked. The first thing that popped into my mind was when Scott and Andrew were talking, what they're going to talk about B-Whips as being recognized as a real stat. Um, he said he stumbled upon the podcast last year during a road trip after which he went back. And this is one of the reasons also he's getting a t-shirt because he earned uh, this t-shirt. He earned this t-shirt. He went back into iTunes. Uh, as far as iTunes would let him, which is episode 15, we're on 226 and binge watched or binge listened every episode until he was cut up to the present. That alone, my sir, my good sir, gets you a t-shirt. Good job. Thank you very much for the review. We always appreciate it. If you guys are, are new to the show or if you have not given us a review, please go to iTunes um, if you listen to it on an Apple phone and give us a five-star rating and review. If you like the show, we appreciate it. It helps us go up in the rankings. It helps us get out to more people. Um, and it's just a, a good thing that makes us feel good when we see them. So we appreciate it. And you could win a, you could get a free T-shirt. And you win a T-shirt. First mailbag questions from Maddie Miller. He posted this in the Facebook group. So you guys, if you want to join that Facebook group, just search the Bronx Pinstripe Show on Facebook. We always have game threads going, and it's always fun to see what people are posting uh, throughout the week. Didn't he just have a baby too? I think he just had a baby. I thought I saw. So congratulations, congratulations. Maddie, if that was you. Yeah. Uh, Maddie says, I know he had a slow start this year too, but uh, but it is worth considering that Stanton's awful start could have to do with him not playing in the field most days as well as adjusting to left field. Not only is he on a new team, but he's having to make some major changes that could keep a guy from getting comfortable. 
Um, and also another thing that I don't know if we've talked about, but he's also adjusting to the American League. Yeah, I mean, I think the American League is, is a certainly a, a thing. You're seeing a lot more, uh, a lot, a lot of new pitchers at this point. I mean, with with uh, interleague play, I mean, you see some of these teams, but the chances that you're getting uh, the same guy uh, over and over again is obviously a lot less. But yeah, I think there's adjustments all around. I mean, I don't think it's one thing. I think it's uh, a number of things. I think it's, you know, on a new team for the first time, it's in New York with the pressure of being the the reigning MVP. I think um, the fact that, you know, he's pressing because he didn't start off well at home. Um, you know, playing the field is different. He's playing a new position too when he is in the field. Made a couple so nice plays today and left. He, he did make the some sun, really nice plays. Again, he beat the Sun today and then he made a nice over-the-shoulder catch on a line drive, crashed into the wall. Not many guys are making that play and left the, the one against the wall too because he's such a big guy. Um, you know, he was able to get to that ball too. But he's, a, he's an athletic dude. He made another play in right field when Judge was DHing. Um, just a, a good running play. So I, I've, I'm, I'm totally fine with what I've seen from him in the, in the field. Um, I just think it's a number of things. I think it's just uh, you know he's just gotten off to a slow start, and I think he'll figure it out. I think he's got the uh, he's got the uh, you know the, the 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 straps to to definitely figure this stuff out and and to to game up. He was demoted in the lineup to clean up. Did yeah. you? <laughs> you think that's such makes, a ridiculous thing? I think <laughs> it was think more it to difference. No. Well, he had a difference. decent game on Thursday. The first time he bat, he hit cleanup. He didn't strike out, which was only the fourth time that happened this year. He beat out an infield single. Uh, but it, I don't know. It just seems like he, he, along with the team, has not gotten to a rhythm yet. Right. And, you know, this was something that I mentioned uh, last week was the fact that these guys are now, you know, a little bit of warm weather. I know people hate when there's an excuse like that because everybody's playing the same weather. Fine. But one of the big things is that they're not playing consecutive games. We got a long stretch of them playing consecutive games. Let's see if they can get into a rhythm. Uh, you know, when they they played two, they played a good series this this weekend. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, they can build on that, and, and that's that's when we'll we'll see really more what this team is. Joe Torrio used to say, "Once you're at 500, then the next thing to do is get to five games over. Then you then you set your goals on ten games over. You're not thinking about we have to win 95 games. We have to win 100 games. It's right. just what is the next stretch of games we have to do to achieve to get to our ultimate goal. Well, so it's I think baby that goes- steps for this team." Absolutely. And that goes back to breaking it down by the series and winning the battle of that series. If you can come out with a series win, you won the majority of those games. Obviously, that's going to help you in the standing. So those wins will pile up and then things will take care of themselves. And but I you got to focus on those, those, those little, the many battles against the team in front of you. And I think people were looking at the Red Sox off to a 16-2 and two start or 16-3 and three at this point yes. after they got no hit. And they're saying... Well, shit. Wait, what happened? They got what happened? They got no hit. <laughs> no hit, isn't it? Isn't it funny though? You can't predict baseball, Scott. Nope. Um, but but there, it wasn't just that the Yankees were struggling. It's that the team you figured you're going to have to beat in the division was so friggin' hot that they've built up a cushion for themselves. Well, and I think when you're looking at it too from a, a fan perspective, you're seeing the Red Sox just don't lose at this point. And they were steamrolling. No it was like nine to one every night. Yeah, and, and and that margin, the game's back just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. So you know that that becomes a that becomes a, a point of contention, and you and you start yelling at your own players, and and then they start pressing, and it's a it's a it's a bad situation. But you look, can't they, win. You can't win the World Series in April. You you can't even win the. Let's just get every cliche April. out of the book at this point. It's it's early. It's cold. You can't win uh, the World Series in April. You can lose it. You can. 
like everything out. Throw the book at the at, at whatever you want to say at this point. But what the the Yankees are putting them, they're in a situation. I don't know if they're in the situation yet, but they might find themselves in a situation where the 16 remaining games against the Red Sox are going to have to win like 11 or 12 of them. Just because you need to beat them head to head at this point to make up. I mean, that those kind games are always going to be. Do important. you think the Red Sox are going to suddenly start playing 400 baseball? Because I don't. So yeah, the Yankees could start. Playing 600 baseball, but the Red Sox are also going to be playing good. And they have the, a seven-and-a-half game lead. The, uh, they, they got no hit last night, so it's six. and uh, It was six last night. I don't know what they're doing Whatever today. it is. <laughs> but um, they, they got no hit. Did, I, did we talk about that yet? Because we're going to talk about see? that one. Yeah. It's, <laughs> did but you the, watch um, the replays of it? Yeah, it was great. It was it was outstanding. And the, the two, uh, well, because I saw on Twitter that Red Sox fans were bitching that they should have had two hits, and the two hits they should have had were like a dribbler in the infield and a bloop that were called errors, and the guy out of the baseline. It's like no, you shouldn't have had any hits. The Red Sox are gonna be they they've started off so unbelievably hot, and that they got to the start, obviously. But yes, they are going to come back down to earth. And yes, they are going to have stretches where they're going to play sub-500 baseball and they're going to play badly. They're one starting pitcher away, uh, injury away from uh, that team looking very different. I don't expect Rick Porcello to keep this up either. I, I, I think that they are playing out of their minds right now. So yeah, I expect them to fall back down to earth. And on top of that, I expect the New York Yankees to put together a stretch at some point this season where they look like an unbelievable team because the talent is too great on this team for them not to put a number of wins together just by playing baseball because they're that much better than the, per, the, the team across from them. So it will even out. And yeah, I think this will be a tight battle all the way to the end. What's the next mailbag? Next mailbag is from Brian Coyne at Brian underscore coin 16. He says, is Neil Walker this year's Chris Carter? I mean, he's not wrong. He, he's not, he's, wrong not, so he's not as frustrating because it's uh, he's, he's, he's definitely doing it more under the radar than Chris Carter was, but um, he's, well, he's the, not as laughably bad. The Chris production was not there. Chris Carter was like a walking bad baseball gif. Yeah, he was actually more productive than Neil Walker too to this point. Probably <laughs> actually look at the numbers because he had a, he would hit, there were a few home runs in occasional there. home run. But um, I think we said this earlier that, that Walker is only on this team because they don't have a first baseman right now. Or I get, they have Tyler Austin and Neil Walker. But if Greg Bird comes back and Neil Walker's still not hitting, they're going to eat the four million whatever it is that they owe Neil Walker. Yeah, I mean, he's just not playing good baseball. He, the reason they're different is because I go back to, you know, you're looking at their track record and see you see a sustained amount of success in someone's history. And while Chris Carter was the home run king of the National League the year before they got him, um, he was still that guy who it floats around the Mendoza line and is uh, bad at baseball. Know, someone who has played first baseman with his eyes closed for an extended period of time. I had no idea how he's in the major leagues or was Chris Carter. Chris Carter was a 2007 baseball player. Uh, It's unbelievable. It still baffles my mind how he got as far as he did playing baseball. It really does. Um, Neil, so Neil Walker, as a baseball player, when you look back at their careers, is not that guy. Should be better. He's not. Playing, He's though. just really struggling for some reason, I, and I don't. I, I don't have an answer for it. I don't think he has an answer for it. But he's also, um, you know, he's he's used right now as Chris Carter was to, to, to be fair, out of necessity, and that's what's uh, happening. Do you put any credence into the fact that Neil Walker only had half a spring training because he was signed late? I mean, maybe that, that could go into it. You know, he didn't get as warmed up as he did. He's starting out in uh, in some really crappy weather. He didn't get the uh, the 
the, the joys of having spring training and 85 degrees to get your body warmed up and get everything going. He's an older guy now. I can appreciate that. My, my joints don't get, get clogged up when the, when the cold weather comes in, like a, like a creaky door. They get but, clogged you know, up? Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It gets weird. But, um, visual. But, uh, you know, he's just bad right now. He's just been, he hasn't put together good at-bats. Um, he's played decent defense, I suppose. He's a warm body right now, though. Yeah. Final ones from Scott Wilder. Why are all the seats empty behind home plate? Why don't the Yankees move some of their fans halfway through the game? Scott's actually in here with us as well. He's oh, in, he? uh, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the game. Thoughts? So I think uh, again, go, b- back to the weather because the stadium was full over the weekend when it was nice out. Last week was maybe the most miserable week of weather uh, at the stadium, and they were losing to the Marlins, and they were they were just playing sloppy baseball. No one's gonna want to go to the game when it's forty-one degrees outside. So there's a, a, n- a number of answers for this. The, the seats are sold. Everybody knows that. I think everybody understands that. Um, even if these people that are sitting behind there, a lot of them are at the game when it's cold out, they're in the suite area. They're in the legends or the Delta suites. If you're on that, that level, they're in the back They're They're staying warm. They're not in their seat. Just that's just, they paid a lot of money for them and they're a different type of fan. Also, there's a lot of corporate seats back there that are used for business meetings and things like that. Is it the, is it the, the best, you know, visual on television? No, it looks no. like shit. It looks horrible. I hate it. It's been I bad hate, ever since 09. I the personally market. hate what they have done with the construction of the legend seats and the Delta suites and all that, where they cut people off from getting to those seats back in the day. Even if those were more expensive seats, you'd have people sneaking down there to sit yep. if they were empty. That can't happen anymore because you just physically can't get there. So yes, I think it's a bad look. Um, but it's the way that the, the construction is the way that these seats were designed, the way that the tickets were designed, and it's probably not going to change unless it's a big game on a great day, like the playoffs. You see everybody's in their, their butts are in their seats, and that's when you see changes. You see the Oakland A's last week did a free ticket night, and they had a sellout? They had a sellout? Is yeah, that considered they, a sellout? It's a, it's a attendance out. At, an attendance. But yeah, they, they probably made more money that night just because there was 40,000 people paying for beer and hot dogs and stuff. I than guarantee 4,000 people doing it because of the ticket sales. They I, don't know why more to... teams, I don't know why more teams – I don't know why teams like the A's – uh, the Padres, all these teams that don't, the Marlins, the, the, the Orioles. Monday lately. through Thursday, Monday through Thursday, free ticket night or dollar ticket night. Yeah, or do the turn back the clock thing where you can get a, a, a nickel bag of peanuts. But the the there's more money no, to be made. No, it's got to be the tickets because the, the concessions, that's how they make the money. So you got to do the tickets. The um, I mean, the Yankees the Yankees have $5, yeah, $5 deals $5 all the time. Yeah. The, um, the, the one thing you're seeing also in the American League East, at least, and I'm sure more teams are doing this that I'm just not aware of, but the Orioles were doing kids were free for a lot of the weekday games too, I think, right? They were, they were upper doing... Deck, they were upper deck kids free. Okay, let's all be honest. You go to Camden Yards for an upper deck ticket, you could sit 10 rows behind the, the dugout. Nobody cares there. You could go and move your seat all, anytime you want. That place is a freaking joke when, they're, when there's nobody in it. Nice ballpark, though. Beautiful ballpark. Well, at least it was. Still a nice ballpark. Um... All right, guys, thank you for the mailbag questions. To submit questions, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You could tweet us at Yankees Podcast, and you can join the Facebook group. It's called the Bronx Pinstripe Show, believe it or not, uh, is what's shocking. Facebook. <laughs> uh, we've got voicemails coming up. If you want to call the voicemail line, it's 646-480-0342. As we said at the top of the show, I'm actually feeling good about this team right now, which is a lot considering how they've started the season. 
look, I, I feel I, I have, I think most people uh, have not hit any panic button yet. They're just complaining to complain. Probably the fact that their weather is, uh, is, is, is gloomy for New Yorkers as well puts everybody in a bad mood and right, you know, we're just ready to complain anyway. So you get any little thing that puts you over the edge. It's, it's, you know, it's a faucet. So Look, the team's playing well right now. If they can build on it, that's the biggest thing. They need to continue to build on it. Um, if you listen to the show and you're on Twitter, we're doing we're back to doing the home run uh, t-shirt giveaways as well. Yep. We used to do them with A Rod. Whenever there was an A bomb, we would give away an A bomb shirt. Uh, we're doing it again. I started it again today. So we got DD uh, every time now. DD hits a home run. We're giving away a free shirt on Twitter. So make sure you check that out. If you're not following us on there. I don't know where you are. It's the Sir Clutch, Sir Clutch. Shirt. It's the Sir Clutch shirt. Yeah, his his uh, the shirt that we have for him. So I'm excited about that. We're going back to some old things that that, that are, are fun. We, we need to start having more fun, right? Let's have more fun. This team is good. I'm I don't know. I'm having fun. I don't know about I'm you. I'm having a blast. I think a lot of people are just uh, ready to go, ready to see some winning baseball. And Glaber yeah. Mania is bringing that on now. Yeah, maybe he can get a hit on Monday. Be good for him. How long? How many offers until he gets booed? Oh, God, I hope not. I think he's going to get a hit on Monday. <laughs> I do, too. All right, guys. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching on Facebook. Stay tuned for, for voicemails. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Hey, watching the Marlins beat down the Yankees. Realize we're 10% into the season. But it occurred to me all offseason that sometimes you really overachieve and there's a slow fallback year. I'm thinking more and more and more. Another time, this really might be one of those years. And Aaron Boone may not survive it. Well, here we go again. So this team is showing off how inconsistent it is. Um, the problem, I think, with uh, the whole, hey, we got to give Boone a break. Boone is learning. Boone's getting better. Every day, Boone is going to you know, find a new strategy that he can employ and become a better manager. Is that this isn't a rebuilding year. This wasn't the year where we meant to go out there and you know, get better and gear up for a World Series run. It's a fucking World Series or bust year. You don't fire an established manager who has good rapport with 90% of the players, bring in a guy who has never managed before to take a team to the World Series, and then get to make excuses about the fact that, well, he's learning. Well, you know what? You need to fucking learn on a team that isn't trying to win a pennant and isn't trying to go to the series. You know, try and learn in that situation. Don't try and learn when the pressure's on and when it's do or die. Hey, so I had a story about the uh, the game on Friday back in Detroit that I thought our fellow listeners might enjoy. So here goes. So I uh, I went to the game. It was down in uh, the fourth row, section 118. There was a good mix of uh, of Yankee and Tiger fans down there, and there was this group of guys from uh, University of Michigan that were heckling Judge in a good way. It was fun. Uh, and then a few innings in, as they got more drunk and more high and who knows what else, uh, one of them stood up and raised his arms as if to address the entire crowd and, uh, and proceeded, proceeded to, uh, to bless us with the following. He, he basically said, 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, I understand that uh, those of you in Detroit consider Ann Arbor to be a bit liberal, and perhaps it is. But on this one night, couldn't we all agree that it might, just might be a little nice to have Detroit be just, just a tad bit more liberal this evening? If only so that we could finally all admit in public how much we want to suck Aaron Judge's dick. I told you the whole crowd laughed. Man, woman, and child. Everyone laughed. And then he was told to sit down, you drunk asshole. Really fun night. Good to see a win while I was traveling in Detroit. Uh, frustrated with the recent ups and downs of this week. Hoping for some improvements against the Blue Jays. Let's go, Yanks. Man, I don't know about this team so far. I mean, we're eight and eight. Feeling that we should be like four and twelve of the way we're playing. Uh, and it ain't gonna get easier, you know. You got like six straight series against some pretty tough opponents. Yanks can easily play themselves out of the division or even in the playoffs, despite people saying it's early. Yeah, do we have a time for them to turn around and get hot? Now would be nice, maybe. We're not just talking about stand here, like the pitching as well. Tanaka, Sonny Gray being the main culprits of guys who just can't seem to deliver a, a big performance. And, you know, with Kane on the DL and Louis Sessa as well. Sanchez needs to learn how to catch the fucking ball. His whole job, his whole reason for fucking existence is to catch a fucking baseball. And he cannot do that. And now Torres can't throw a baseball across a fucking diamond. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, get this guy out of the fucking lineup. I know you, two of you have some love fest with this guy because he hits some skips off the bat. He sucks. He's shitty. He needs to go. Let's get someone new in there. What's up, y'all? It's your boy Landon from Mississippi, and we got a good win tonight against the Jays. Good win. CZ had a Three solid four innings. Um, pitch out, got a little high, got a little trouble. Chad came in hot. Delvin came in awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great for him. David got a little trouble. We got out of it. Only one run. And Chad came in throwing gas. Loved it. Offense was hot as well. Everybody was hitting it except for Wade. I mean, he had good at bats, though. Um, Judge, he's a huge homer to get a lead. And good win tonight. We got to carry it over and get this thing rolling. Win after win after win. We got to keep this thing rolling. Let's go. Are you fucking kidding me, Sonny Gray? Are you fucking kidding me? Stanton finally comes into the game, gets us up 4-2, to two, and your dumbass is blowing it every goddamn game. I'm sick of it. Sonny Gray, everybody. Sonny Gray. I wait all day to work a 60-hour work week to relax on Friday to watch Sonny Gray get lit up like a Christmas tree. Oh, good God! Can we get a picture in the front? Please! Please, Cash! What in the hell is going on with this pitching staff? I was all set to make a six-hour trip to Chicago from Minneapolis, listen to the game, have a great time, they come out, you know, uh, they score a they, they two-run home run, we've had three, run, three home runs in this damn game, and the pitching staff has absolutely cracked the bed. I don't understand. We need to figure this out. What the fuck is the point of instant replay if they're still going to get blatantly obvious calls wrong 
We're just gonna delay the game. All we want to talk about is pace of play, pace of play, and then we should be doing the replay, and we just ignore the, what our eyes are clearly telling us. Like Tyler Austin is safe. The guy is not touching the bag. Three inches off the bag. Michael K said it. We can see it as clear as day. Six seconds answered. Doesn't make any sense. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.